Today's reading comes from Matthew, chapter 20, verses 20 to 28. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, asked a favour of him. What is it you want? He asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons may sit at your right and the other at the left of your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant, and whoever wants to be the first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That reading is all about freedom. And Remembrance Sunday is all about freedom. People gave their lives so that you and I could live in freedom. And today on this Remembrance Sunday, I'd love to share just a few thoughts about freedom. So how we can find true and lasting freedom in our own lives. So before we continue, shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for this Sunday. And we pray that you'd speak to each one of us now by your spirit. Spirit to spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. What does freedom look like for you? What does freedom look like for you in your life right now? Maybe it's having that financial freedom to have enough money so you don't have to work and pay for a big mortgage or you're able to pay for your rent. Maybe it's having the freedom to use your gifts and your talents so you can do the dream job you always wanted to do, so you can do your vocation, so you can use the, the things that you're passionate about. Maybe it's the freedom to break from an addiction or a habit, which you know is really sort of not making, helping you make the most of your life, but it's dragging you down. Maybe it's the freedom from anxiety or worry, worrying about the future or this uncertainty of next year with a recession, or worrying about a, a family member or a friend or a child. What does freedom look like for you? A few years ago, I was um, hiking. I was on a small retreat, hiking through the Pennines just by myself, staying in a few fields each night with my little backpacking tent. And um, on the morning I was returning home, I was walking through this village, down this high street. It had been raining really hard. It was raining at that moment. I was covered in mud, not looking the best. And there was this very petite elderly lady walking up the road towards me, up the hill. And she stopped me in my tracks and she said, excuse me, are you a backpack or a hiker? And I said, yes, I am. She said, well, do you have a knife on you? That was quite a strange request. But then she explained that it was raining really hard and she'd put her hood up. She had this lovely sort of pink and raincoat with white polka dots. And she'd done the string up and it got into a knot. And as she was walking up the hill, the wind was blowing the hood. And it was kind of strangling her. So she said, if you could just cut the cord, then, you know, it would just save me from... Um, not being able to breathe properly and I'd be free. 
So I thought it was a strange request, but I got out my backpack down, found my Swiss Army knife. And it was a little bit um, harder to cut through the cord as I thought, but I was there trying to cut through the cord. Well, this happened during rush hour. And what I didn't realize was there was a building site just outside the village, and there was all these um, vans and lorries and pickup trucks driving down the road. And I kind of noticed, as I was sort of cutting the cord, everyone slowed down. <laughs> and the window started to open. And what I, what obviously, me and this elderly lady thought, I was doing her a favor, I was being a boy scout. And the perception was something like slightly different. They saw this six-foot guy with a knife at this elderly lady's <laughs> neck in the middle of a village. Her looking very petite with her pink raincoat and me covered in mardens. And um, my big backpack in looking kind of um, a little bit dodgy. And everyone just slowed down. And um, I managed to cut through the hood and she said, oh, thank you, I'm free. She put her hands in the air and she was like, and she wandered off. Um, but then as I, I walked off the road, I noticed everyone else just carried on driving slowly and was still looking at me and staring at me. In particular, there was this big pickup truck with these three big guys in there um, with muscles. And I thought, any minute now, they're going to jump out and, I don't know, maybe they think something else was going on. There's a cost to freedom. She was free. The cost could have been me being jumped. I don't know what those guys were going to happen. But there's a cost to freedom. You know, when we think about what would it look like for us to be free, there's a cost to freedom. And this morning we're thinking about the ultimate cost that people pay for you and I to be free. Those soldiers who laid their lives down paid the ultimate cost so we can live in freedom in the future. And Jesus speaks about that in this passage. In St. Paul's letter to the Galatians, he says it's for freedom that Christ came to set you free. And Jesus gives us the answer to true and lasting freedom, God's will for your life. And the way we find freedom is not the way that we think. The way Jesus speaks to his disciples is not how they thought they were going to find freedom. The first thing Jesus says is freedom comes through serving others. Freedom comes through serving others. The context of this passage is really all about the ambition of the disciples. They thought that for them to have places of prestige and and honor and that they need to side up to Jesus and ask him. They, they saw something very unique and powerful and about Jesus' authority, and they wanted to have some of that. And actually, in this passage, the, the mother of James and John, she gets a bit of a raw deal. In Mark's gospel, if she's not mentioned, it's James and John who side up to Jesus. I think actually they probably used their mum. They were the ones who were ambitious, but they probably said, Mum, go and have a word with the rabbi. Go and say, we want positions. So she gets kind of the raw deal with Matthew's gospel. But actually, this isn't about the ambition of James and John. This is about the ambition of all the disciples. Because how Jesus speaks to them, what we see is, they're, they're indignant, they're annoyed, they're angry. But it's not that they're angry that James and John have taken these liberties. They're kind of angry that they didn't get in there first. James and John are still in the sneak peek of what they really want, of what they're really harboring in their heart. And Jesus speaks into this. He says, it's not how the world works. This is how the kingdom of God works. And he says this, where you know the rulers of the Gentiles, that they lord over them, their high officials exercise authority over them. That's how the world works. But he says, not so with you. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. The hard thing about serving Jesus is he calls us to serve others as well. Sometimes you might find it easy to think, oh Lord, I want to serve you, I want to worship you and praise you. But the hard thing is he calls us to serve each other. And not just those who we get along with, but also those that we have a problem with, those who we struggle with, those who we find those relationships challenging. He says, serve those. 
And Jesus very deliberately uses this word, this Greek word, doulas, which means slave, just so we can really get it clear. It's not just serving occasionally. He says, if you want to be first, you must be slave of all. You must be actually willing to surrender everything for your neighbor, for your friend. That's how you become first in my kingdom. So challenging, isn't it? So countercultural, so different to how the world operates. And I think this is the thing, that serving others isn't really about their response. That's what Jesus is trying to get over. It's not about what others do or what they respond to or what they say. It's about us and it's about our hearts. And it's about us having hearts of compassion, hearts willing to give out and surrender and serve others. It's a choice. It's how the kingdom of God grows. It's how we transform lives and transform communities. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. And we saw what modeled in the late Queen Elizabeth. She gave her life, lifelong life of service. Regardless of people who agreed with her or didn't, she chose to give her life in service. We see it in the lives of the soldiers and the military personnel who give their lives for service, regardless of whether we agree or not, willing to lay down their lives for peace and for stability. So what would it look like for you to serve others this week? How would that look like in your life? What does it look like for you to serve, for you to surrender, for you to be slave of all? Because that's the challenge that we're given. And maybe it's something to do with your time or your resources or just being compassionate. You know, that's for you and the Holy Spirit to work out together. But what does it look like for you to be a servant or slave of all, to have a heart of service? A few weeks ago, just as I was driving into the church car park, there was um, a couple of guys up one of our trees, chopping branches, making it safe for everybody. And I thought I recognised one of the guys as a member of our church who um, has got quite a very busy and pressured job in the city. Um, but I knew it probably wasn't him because he'd be in the city working. And then a few days later, someone told me it was that person who works in the city who was up the tree chopping branches with his busy life and everything else going on. And I thought, that's it. That's what it looks like for us to give out and to serve. And what he was doing is what so many people in his church do, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week. Giving time, giving resources, giving energy, giving their gifts and their talents, serving. And that's what the kingdom of God looks like. Freedom comes through serving others. Everyone involved, everyone serving. That's the first thing that Jesus says. The second thing he says is freedom comes through sacrifice. Freedom comes through sacrifice. Why did the soldiers who served in the wars lay down their lives? They laid it down for freedom, that you and I would have a better life. And this is the model of Jesus. He sums up his whole life on earth in this one verse, verse 28. Just as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. If we're struggling with it, Jesus did it. He modeled it. That's, what, that's the sort of king he was, the king of kings just as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And each of us needs to be set free. A ransom, this word ransom, it's something that's paid to set people free from something that they can't be free by themselves. A ransom is something that's paid to set people free from something they can't be free by themselves, by their own ability, by their own strength. And each one of us needs to be set free in his letter to the Romans, St. Paul says this. He says, there's no one righteous, not even one. Everyone has sinned and falls short of the glory of God. 
And I'm sure some of us, we're really aware of our sin and our mistakes and our need for forgiveness from God, and we walk around with guilt and shame. We know we've messed up. But maybe some of us think we're a bit better than others, and we've got things sorted and right. And St. Paul says, actually, no one is righteous. Everyone's messed up. Everyone falls short of God's glory. No one's righteous in his sight. And Jesus pays this ransom by his life and death so that we can be free. That's why he died, so you and I can be free. So you can be brought back into this relationship with our Heavenly Father, the God who loves you. That's what it's all about. That's what the faith's about. That we can have the embrace from the Father. My, my youngest son um, is in year six of his primary school, and they've got this system where you can have privileged passes for the children to leave school by themselves when they get to year six. So he has this pass, which means his parents don't need to collect him. He can just walk out, and I normally park down the road when I collect him. Sometimes I park elsewhere, so I go to the school gate. And it's lovely seeing these children come to the school gate, and, and you see them like resting to and find out where they put their passes. If there's no pass, they don't step beyond that gate. The teachers are really strict. And I often see uh, my, my son going through all his pockets, thinking, oh, where did I put my pass? And he finds it, he gives it to the teacher, and he's allowed out, he's free. And he comes up to me, and he, we have a little embrace, and he tells me all about his day, who did what to who, and who said what to say, he's a real chatterbox. And I feel that's such a lovely image of the freedom we have in Jesus. Because actually, Jesus is this privileged pass. He's the one who allows us out of the gate into the embrace of the Father, where we have that relationship as sons and daughters with our, with our dad, our heavenly dad, our father. That's God's longing for us through Jesus, the privileged past, that we have this access to the Father and we have this embrace. We have, we're able to grow in this relationship, this relationship of love. That's God's ideal and his desire for you and for me, that we're set free to live in relationship with him. But it's through Jesus, it's through this ransom and if you're here today, that's not your reality, then Jesus wants you to be set free. That's his vision for your life. If it's anger, he wants to bring you some form of calm. If it's an addiction, he wants you to break the power of that addiction. If it's direction you need in your life, God wants to give you guidance. If it's a broken heart, he wants to mend it. If it's pain and disappointment, he wants to encourage you and affirm you. Jesus brings us freedom for his ransom. That's why he laid down his life. That's the hope of the Christian faith. It's for freedom that Jesus came to set you free. If the band would like to, come up, please. How do we respond to all of this? Well, it's the sacrifice of our hearts to Jesus. He gave his all for us. And his desire is that actually we give our all for him. And that's why... The Christian faith is so countercultural because it's actually given everything that we receive everything in return. We often want to just hold things back and maybe dip our toe into faith. And we wonder why we're not walking in peace and joy, but actually it's the sacrifice of all our lives, our surrender of our lives, that we actually receive everything. God's blessings, his anointing, his purpose, his peace, his joy, that he opens the doors, he closes the wrong doors. And actually, even in the pain and the disappointment and the storm, he's there. And we, we experience his peace in overwhelming ways. The peace that, transfers, that transcends all understanding. But it comes through our sacrifice to him. Offering our time, offering our resources, offering our hearts. If you're able, would you like to stand?
even in the pain and the disappointments. Jesus is here by His Spirit. And just before we move into the next worship song, let's give ourselves an opportunity to respond to what it looks like for each of us this Remembrance Sunday to sacrifice our lives for Jesus, the one who gave us all for us. Say, Lord, you know, I know over the coming, the last few months, the last year, my faith hasn't been where it should be. Well, I've been struggling with this. I haven't been as focused with you as I know that you, you call me to be. And there's no guilt and condemnation for Jesus. He, he's, he's longing for us just to return to him and to have that embrace of the Father to say, welcome home. It's one of the words someone had in our prayer meeting this morning. God's word to you is welcome so Holy Spirit we invite you to be here this morning we say come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit and you receive the Spirit of the Lord just by faith just by saying Lord thank you just an act of gratitude sometimes we'll, we'll experience something overwhelming sometimes we might not experience anything at all practically but his promise is that when we say come Holy Spirit he comes and he's faithful, he's true to all his promises. Let's just spend a few minutes just waiting on him and allowing the Spirit to roam your hearts this morning. What does it look like, Lord, for me to serve others? What does it look like for me to sacrifice for you, the one who paid everything for me? Come, Holy Spirit. And just receive his Spirit this morning. Just say, thank you, Lord. just one person here this morning who responds to that word from our prayer meeting welcome home actually there's no guilt or condemnation there's no judgment on you God's just delighted that you're here and he wants to just get to know you more and more and for you to know him more it's a relationship. It's a two-way thing. Draw close to the Lord and he will draw close to you. But as always, it's an invitation. It comes from us. It's nothing forced. It's not about manipulation. It's about you saying, Lord, yes, I want to receive from you this morning. Maybe for someone who's just wondering where God's calling you to serve this season. What's he calling you to invest in? What are the priorities in your life? What are the decisions or choices that you need to make? And again, it's not, it's not a maze. It's not like Wordle where we have to try and guess what letters fit in. God's heart, his desire is for you to know his will. Just be open to him. He'll speak to you. He'll speak to you through others, directly through his word. to say thank you Lord thank you for your spirit thank you for your presence
freedom that Christ has set you free. Father, we thank you that you call us into a, a relationship of freedom, of joy, of peace, that you are for us, that you love us, that you have good plans for our lives, for our families, for our children. And we come before you this morning with our joys, but also our disappointments and our doubts. pray, Lord, as we trust you, that you would fill us afresh with your peace and give us new purpose. Soften our hearts to be servants to others. As we are blessed, as we are transformed, we will transform those around us. And we ask all this, Lord, in Jesus' name.